There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the podcast where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie. I am your host, Eduardo. And boy, do we have an exciting show for you today because we are talking all about everyone's favorite movie, Thor, The Dark World, said no one. <laughs> And uh, we usually have four of us here. Unfortunately, Robbie had to take a week away. And this is a true story. He was mowing. He was using a weed whacker. And he hit a rock with the weed whacker. And the rock came and, like, smacked him in the eye. And he's, like, having some vision problems out of that eye right now. And so he's going to sit this one out. And we figured if there was going to be any episode for him to sit this one out, this would be the one. That is how Robbie became the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you've heard that succulent voice right there, it is the 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 playful succulent. Peaches. Peaches, what's up, man? The playful. Peaches the playful. Yeah. Peaches now the playful. I feel like, like World of Wise. We're just we're just <laughs> making uh I mean the Thor Thor is basically Lord of the Rings, right? But way worse. So this movie specifically, so I could be Peaches the Playful. That sounds like a Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> we also have the Lord of Sounds himself, the 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 Titan of Thunder. I don't know why I said Titan of Thunder. That's not yeah, the same no. thing. Nope. That doesn't not work. All right, it's Chris. Hey, Chris, what's up, man? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> what's going on? Good to be here. Good to be here. Always All a right. pleasure. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stare at my phone and you guys talk about Thor, and then we'll. We'll no, okay. no, I'm, mo- <laughs> I'm most interested in your opinion since you came in, unfortunately, with a very preconceived notion because we've all been trashing it forever. But yeah, that is fair. well, then I will withhold my opinion until such time that my opinion is necessary. OK, so let's just talk a little about a bit about the publication of the movie, about the release of the movie, um, even before the release of Thor. um, and the success of the Avengers, Kevin Feige announced that there would be a second Thor movie. So there had been plans of this movie for quite some time. And the film had some trouble finding a director. They had Kenneth uh, Branagh who declined to direct, um, but he's citing length of, uh, he cited the length of production, thought it was going to be take too long. Brian Kirk was next selected, um, but he backed out due to contract disagreements. Patty Jenkins was next signed, but left due to creative differences. And finally, Alan Taylor was hired. One of the directors of game of Thrones. Um, the movie, the, the villain for the movie is Malekith the accursed, the dark elf. I'm a relatively unknown villain. Um, and he was not necessarily received well in the film, but we're going to get into that. And it's weird because you could say, Oh, why'd they choose an unknown villain? But they'd kind of been doing this already. Like it, it wasn't, that far-fetched for the Marvel movies to pick just some unknown villain and put him in there and try to bring up because they've done this several times. I mean, you can think of quite a few. Whiplash is the, probably the first one that comes to mind of just a relatively unknown that they kind of they brought up and made into their own. Whether they did that well or not, listen to our Iron Man 2 episode to find out. But it, it, it definitely had been something that, that Marvel had been doing for a little while. 
The film released October 2013, and critical consensus was... People didn't really like this movie, and yet it still made a ton of money. $645 million, which is more than the first Thor. Whoa. Well, got that Avengers bump because that was a real thing. Well, there you go. That Avengers and Cap- and we'll see it again in Captain America. And even even with Iron Man three, you saw it. A lot of these movies started becoming. This is like the beginning of Marvel movies dominating the box office, no matter what, almost because they all got sort of the post Avengers. Well, I liked Avengers. I'm going to go see this Thor movie now. I'm going to go see this Captain America movie now. Yeah, I was thinking that about the villain too. Like, even for comic book fans. Malekith probably wasn't somebody that a lot of people knew about, but for the audience that the MCU was going for in the beginning, really, there's probably not very many villains that people knew too much about that they were allowed to use, you know? Um, But yeah, it is definitely a weird, a weird choice. So the movie opens with Odin, just as the first movie did giving a sort of a monologue. He starts with this prologue and it's, there's this giant battle between, um, that you're introduced to Malekith and he's got the Aether and he, um, there's this sort of, I want to say, and this is already right into my first uh, talking point, but it looks like the opening scene of Lord of the Rings, like the first fellowship of the ring. And I would put money on them doing that on purpose. Um, there's even the point where they like defeat the bad guy and they get the Aether and it looks like, um, what's the, the dude's name in Lord of the Rings that has the ring and he like, they're like cast it in the fire and he's like, no, um, oh man, he's, um, um, Isildur, Isildur, I was, the, I was the, that, but I had no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> Azildor, because I know he goes, I'm Azildor's heir, not Azildor himself. Um, but Azildor, he's the like king there at the time, and he saves the ring. That's kind of what Odin's dad does. They're like, destroy the Aether, and he's like, no, we can't. We should hide it instead. Like it just, it almost looks shot by shot the same with him like looking over his shoulder. Yes, Chris. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that. I mean, the point is that it, it couldn't. It, the difference there is that he wasn't saving it because he wanted to use it. He literally couldn't destroy it. Sure. But, yeah, absolutely. But, but, it, but you're right. It really is like almost shot for shot. Right. There and are the, elves the and everything. Of, <laughs> there are elves and everything. The Even the like color palette of the way the scene is shot looks like that opening battle of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, it, it does. It looks very, very similar. Like they're very... And I don't think that's by accident. I think they were trying to make the Thor movies the Lord of the Rings movies of the MCU. Whether that was successful or not, it wasn't. Um, Alan Taylor didn't have anything to do with Lord of the Rings, did he? No, but Game of Thrones, which you could argue is the TV descendant of Lord of the Rings. Is is sexy Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And I think... We can just go off the bat now. We didn't like this movie. (laughs) And it's going to be nice to be able to agree on something for a while. Um, But this isn't a good movie. And I think for me, this is where the movie already starts to lose me. Because this movie has an identity crisis. It is trying to be so many different things. And while watching this movie, I got notes of so many other movies. I got Lord of the Rings notes. I got notes of Star Wars in there that they they attempted. I got notes of, you guys ever seen the Chronicles of Riddick? Um, no, the imagery in this is so like all of the elven imagery is so similar to the Chronicles of Riddick. It's so weird. Um, there are lots of different movies in this, and this movie just 
it just has an identity crisis. It's trying to do all these different things and also be a Marvel movie. And because it's pulling in one direction, none of the directions it's going in is actually strong and the movie suffers for it. Um, it didn't and, light up your world like nobody else. It did not. Not that kind of one direction. No, it was not that kind of one direction. Um, but <laughs> it's funny but then, that you, that you yeah, like, I, I didn't immediately pick up on Lord of the Rings being the opening, uh, even though I said earlier that it was basically Lord of the Rings, because that's just how I felt about it overall. But it's funny that you said Star Wars, too, because that's one of my talking points later, is that it also reminded me of Star Wars. I, I thought that the opening was okay, um, because I found it to be more of a mirror of the opening of the first Thor, because in the, in the original Thor movie, Odin opened with a story also. So I thought that that's what they Ragnarok were going with for. a story as well. No, Thor opens that. No, one with Thor. Story. Okay, Thor so is, because Thor is now the king. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, not yet, but he's being kidnapped by Surtur, and he's talking sure. to. Or he's in chains. And his, and his, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, and but I thought it was a good parallel. And here's one of the biggest problems with this movie is that we have Thor Ragnarok as a retrospective <laughs> to compare it against, and Thor Ragnarok is just such a good movie specifically compared to this, but also compared to just any movie. It is a good movie, but compared to this, it's like it should have won the last 10 Oscars compared to this. I don't think <laughs> it, like, <laughs> it's just so much better. And it does a lot of, it tries to do a lot of the same things, but just in such a better way. Um, and so we'll go, we'll keep going into the movie, but just know right off the bat, if you were looking for us to be really positive about Thor, the dark world, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now no, the you're, not. you're not sorry then, yeah. i'm not sorry the i will, I will then, play Surter's advocate for uh some of it but uh sure that's not to say this movie is without promise yeah. but the promise is you gotta look for it uh-huh. um the aether is hidden away just like the promise in this movie for safekeeping <laughs> um and in modern day loki is sentenced to life in prison and the only reason he wasn't sentenced to death is because his mother frigga decides that you know she loves him she loves her son and she wants to keep him alive odin was just gonna like whack the dude but you know his mom saved him it's kind of um, biased but whatever i mean it's his kid it's her kid so <laughs> it makes sense uh, thor lady sif and the warriors three win a battle and while i like this battle i didn't understand why the scene was in the movie i guess they're like here's thor again and he's fighting but we don't really understand why there's no reason to it. He just is. And then we move on. Uh, and there, it, it was, they're showing that apparently somehow because, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense, but there is an explanation. <laughs> the, nine, the nine realms are in chaos, partially because of Loki invading earth in the Avengers. So Thor and the warriors are going through the different realms quelling these i think it was because they sent thor to earth to stop loki there and they i'm guessing you could decide that excuse me it's because odin had to use so much energy to get him to earth because the bifrost was broken at this point that asgard was distracted asgard who normally keeps the peace in the nine realms was distracted so there are mm-hmm. all these uprisings in all the other realms sure uh, so, yeah, so it's not a should, great explanation. But shouldn't the point of a scene like this to be to set the stage? But this doesn't get explained to you until 
45 minutes later into the movie where Thor is talking to his dad or uh, talking to Jane, excuse me, about how everything's in chaos. So it's like he's telling Jane and then we we go back. Hey, remember that scene at the beginning of the movie? All right. Stage is set now. 45 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird that that he uh, he thought we'd be smart enough to remember that 45 minutes later. But in the first movie, they didn't think we'd be smart enough to remember that Mjolnir only worked for people that were worthy. Right. <laughs> I Boy, I just don't I just don't understand the point of the scene. Um we do get this weird rock guy who made me immediately think of Korg. Um he, that, he's a Cronin too. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes sense why that reminds me of Korg because it looks just like him and is a rock guy and, you know. And I'm looking this up right now because I thought I heard this somewhere is that in the DVD commentary, Alan Taylor says that is Korg, but that is clearly not true because they never said his name in the movie. So they decided, <laughs> no, that was not Korg. That was just a Cronin. And they used Korg in Thor the Dark World. Thank God. Or not Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok. And thank God for that. because Is Korg, Korg from the comics? Yeah, Korg is actually from uh, from the Planet Hulk storyline that made up half of Thor Ragnarok. Oh, interesting. I thought that he was a a made for MCU character. I didn't realize he was straight out of the comics. That's cool. I learned something on this here podcast. Um, And so they, they go, they're fighting. We see Korg, blah, blah, blah. And then we, we, they take some prisoners for some reason and they head back and they party because they did it. They saved the day. And then we get the most frigid, friend zoning i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) between thor and lady sif and boy does it just it just makes it go ooh, ooh, it's rough it is rough man i don't know like it it is rough he he clearly there's something going on from her end of things and he just doesn't see it but he also like really cares for jane so I don't know. Like it's been two years. I know it wasn't that long for us, but it's been two years for him. Yeah, that's true. He does get slapped later. I mean, he deserves it, but yeah. <laughs> no, it it it's one of those awkward. It's one of those awkward tensions that you're like, did you have to put this in the movie? Yeah, yeah and they they don't say the same thing about the Jane scene too with, uh, with her date. <laughs> yeah, yes. the whole date with her, a, which we'll get to here in a sec, but yeah. It, it's just weird because they don't call back to this. Like you can tell they're like trying to set it up so that there's like some sort of love triangle sort of thing. And they just never address it. Yeah. Basically ever again, there are like looks throughout the movie, but it never goes past looks. Yeah. You get that. You get Odin saying, look at what's in front of you. Forget the sure. girl on earth. And then, yeah, but, but there's never, there's like one brief scene that, jane and sif are both in and nothing comes of that it it is another abandoned plot thread they just look at each other yeah that's basically it and we then go to earth um and jane is working with uh, selvig i always get this wrong selvig and she's at like a dinner with some guy they're like having a date and they're talking about what is it? What's the thing that you said they're talking about that she says over and over again? Bell peppers. All she says is sea bass. Sea bass. Bell peppers. Ten percent of her dialogue in this movie is the the phrase sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. Sea bass. SpongeBob episode. Um, and then 
yeah, her she friend does not want to be on this date. Cat <laughs> Dennings comes up. I couldn't remember Cat Dennings' character's Darcy Short. Cat Dennings Darcy. comes up because she's literally just playing herself. Um, uh-huh. She walks up and uh, she was like, "Hey, look, we found some weird stuff." This little doohickey says there's weird stuff. You should come with me. And obviously, she can't contain herself because the idea of the man who left her two years ago is too great. So she needs to go figure out what's going on with uh, with a little doohickey dinglehopper. Um, so then they go You're talking about. Like a, <laughs> What are you talking about now? The little Thor's like, little Thor's little doohickey dinglehopper okay, or whoa, the device called Mjolnir. <laughs> <laughs> you, it was just a weird transition because you said she, you said that she was excited about seeing him, and then she needed to go see the doohickey dinglehopper. It was just she a weird. To go follow the doohickey dinglehopper thing that was telling her where the like weird <laughs> was stuff was happening. The science was happening, and she yeah. had to go investigate. She had to go see the finder. science. Stud yeah. finder, we found the stud. <laughs> Four comes up and it explodes speaking. <laughs> um, and so she goes, she finds the science. There's actually, a, I think the whole scenes of like the car floating, like I think that's actually a really cool scene. Yeah. Of the like truck like floating and the kid like lifting it. They actually use that for like imagery in a lot of the like future like movie materials when they talk like they do like cuts of the whole like phase two and stuff like that. That's part of it. It's that like, lifting of the of the truck because it's a cool scene in what is otherwise yeah. a not cool movie when they're um, dropping stuff down the stairs and then it's coming down yeah. from above them it's like it's like portal yeah exactly yeah. Um, there and you then he are. like throws his car keys and the keys don't come back <laughs> yeah was um, that our car key <laughs> yeah you know Dar- darcy the intern who has her own intern <laughs> and then foster ends up going through some weird portal and she finds the aether Ether, Aether. I hardly know her. She finds the ether. Oh come on! I was gonna use that. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> this was my moment. I was just waiting for the right one. Dang, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Well, she finds it and infests her body. And I'm not gonna lie, this is kind of a weird scene. But you, you don't like Jane Foster in this movie, uh, Peaches specifically. No, there's no. You know, like. Because I didn't have the uh, unfortunate circumstance of seeing this movie when it came out, I had just been living in blissful ignorance of what happened in this movie for however many years. And I don't dislike the way that Natalie Portman portrays Jane in the first Thor. I think it's fine. I'm really, really sorry, uh, Mrs. Soundlord. I'm texting her that right now, actually, because I just saw what you put in the notes. Yeah, I just... (laughs) I just don't like Natalie Portman in this movie. I would go as far to say as she sucks in this movie. I already talked about saying, or I already talked about her saying the phrase sea bass over and over and over. And I know that that was supposed to be a funny moment, but when you just look at the rest of her dialogue, it is a gigantic percentage of her dialogue in the movie is just sea bass over and over. And I'm going to make it a part of my dialogue in this podcast. That's how ridiculous it is. And when she's not, saying dumb things like when she finally gets to Asgard, which we'll cover later in the plot synopsis. She's just being like a dick to Odin. Like anytime Odin speaks, she's like, why can you do that? Like, dude, that's the king of Asgard. That's why he can do that. You you just met this guy. You don't walk into someone's home and break their pots. You're not Link. Okay. Like it, it, she's just either being rude or being boring or trapped in the pre pre stranger things version of the upside down which is the dark world every time she visits it 
visits it. It's just like, oh, hey, it's a little darker here. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> she doesn't do anything in the movie. Sorry. I just, and okay. And so what, what this segues to for me is because I had this blissful ignorance of her, Jane, when they announced Love and Thunder and she was holding Mjolnir, I got really excited because I think that Lady Thor is going to be an awesome character. But now that I am seeing the latest Jane Foster movie in the series, I wouldn't count Endgame because it's, what, a clip from Thor the Dark World that they show of her? Thank you. Like... Now I'm not sure how I how she's gonna portray Thor. I'm I, I and I I know she's got chops because I like her in other movies. So I think that she can change style if she needs to to portray Thor. But if I'm just going off of what I saw of her as Jane in Thor: The Dark World, I am getting less excited about her as Thor. This movie is the reason it's a surprise she's coming back because this movie soured her Marvel experience. I don't like, doubt it. She did not enjoy making this movie, from what I understand. Uh, a lot of it has to do with Patty Jenkins, who had been hired, had this vision for the movie that she's talked about a little bit recently. Uh, it was going to be more of a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, where you were going to get a lot more of these star-crossed lovers of Thor, Prince of Asgard, and Jane, the Earth scientist, and the force is trying to keep them apart with all the dark world stuff happening as well. And I think that could have been a, a good movie, but obviously we didn't get that because of the creative differences. I would love to visit the alternate universe where Patty Jenkins got to make Thor the dark world, but I am okay with being in the universe with this one, because I think that if she had gotten to make it, we would not have gotten either her wonder woman or Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. And I like both of those movies and, I'm willing to put up with this movie if those two movies are the uh, unexpected byproduct of it. But sure. I digress. You got to have your falls if you're going to have your, yeah. your rises, right? Exactly. But It's so weird yeah. that you didn't like Jane in this movie because she's one of the only things I liked about this movie. <laughs> it's, it's not so, that weird. It's, so, it's No, it's weird because we watched the same movie and left with the same feelings on the movie, but for different reasons. Yeah. And one of the reasons for me that I thought this movie like was serviceable was because of Jane and her, because I thought she just was just interesting. I thought she was an interesting character. I didn't find her boring at all. I thought when she was on screen, she was compelling and interesting and I wanted more of her. And I was sad there wasn't because to be frank, I thought some of the other characters were super boring and basically just Thor. I thought Thor was just, just boring throughout but the movie. Jane See, and I'm going to disagree with you there, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> But did Jane in this movie take a bowl of cereal and put it in the cupboard? No, she did not. She did that in the first Thor. Sure, but besides that one scene, I don't think in the first movie she really gets to explore. I don't think she gets to open up at all. I think she opens up a little bit in this movie. And I still think the Jane Foster character has like a significant amount more room. To, to, to do and to, to act and to move in. And I think she was giving a, she was getting a little bit more of this movie. I think a lot of it has to do with the way they wrote her and how much time they gave her on screen and how sort of little importance she was to the movie, even though she is so much importance for himself. Well, that might be true. Cause, because like I said, I don't, I don't have anything whatsoever against Natalie Portman outside of this movie. I like her portrayal and almost everything else I've seen her in. Uh, and her abilities to act in almost everything else I've seen her in. 
I, I just... think about it every time I'm killing Yinglings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I just my heart. <laughs> it's just a weird, <laughs> it's just weird to think about, and and it's you know it's several years later, and we have the hindsight of knowing how much everybody universally didn't care for this movie. So I, I, w- I don't think they'd pull her into this role as Lady Thor if they weren't going to do something good with it. It's just kind of a sour taste in my mouth to have this experience in Dark World and then think about, you know, if they didn't learn their lesson, we're in trouble. They did. Mm-hmm. They should have. But if they didn't, we're in trouble. And like the, the, the darkest timeline where they didn't learn their lesson, we could be, mm-hmm. you know. I think... The way Taika Waititi transformed Thor and let him open up his character will hopefully be what happens with Jane Foster. Oh, yeah, yeah. I trust him. We're like Um, this. But Heimdall (laughs) loses sight of Foster. And can I just say, it is still, to this day, an absolute shame that Idris Elba plays Heimdall and gets barely used in these movies because he is so good at everything he touches, and even this little tiny role. He's great at it, and he doesn't get enough screen time, and he hasn't got enough screen time in the MCU. Yeah. And I could just imagine him at a bajillion different roles. I could see him in almost any of the roles that we've had so far. I could see him as any, give me any superhero, and he could probably do that role better than most actors. I just really wish Idris Elba had... Um, had more of a prominent role in these movies. Yeah, they gave him a little bit more personality in this one than they did in the first one, which was nice. Like, I just, um, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, and let me tell you, first off, that movie makes no sense. But (laughs) second off, it's just fun because it, like, knows it makes no sense, and it's full of, like, corny one-liners and nonsense, and he plays the villain in that movie, and he's just so much fun. He's just so much fun, and he's so gravitating on screen he just has like a presence about him and you kind of feel it as Heimdall like he even just watching him as Heimdall you're like oh man this guy like means business like he is he's ready and he will mess some stuff up um he gets exponentially better in every movie he's in like with more time and more action and then yep. he dies yep. yeah <laughs> yep and I'm it's like, really right, sad because enough. he's he's great yeah um, so in the modern day um where are we at? Uh, Foster wakes up on Earth five hours later, and the Aether beats up some cops because they touched her and she didn't like it. Uh, so it just <laughs> and it like knocks over a bunch of cops. And then Thor arrives, and we get that weird, funny scene with the rain not hitting Jane and Darcy. And then they see Thor, and then Jane walks over to Thor, and then it starts raining on Darcy. And he's like, oh, right, my bad. Also... From that point on, is he ever able to control rain ever again? Is that like a useful skill that he has that he's just like, oh, wait, my bad. I forgot to turn off the rain. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thor, you... why don't you turn off the rain? <laughs> my bad, what guys. I'm having know, a rough day. Storm was also there off camera because we couldn't use her yet. Yeah, they couldn't show her. Right. Yeah. This does have one of my favorite exchanges in the entire movie, which is Darcy saying to Thor, How's space? And he says, space is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny too. They Uh, really though, they really like painted clown makeup on Darcy in this movie though. Like Kat Dennings character is just constantly trying to be funny. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, she's basically me. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if it worked or if it didn't work, but it was really noticeable. Like it it felt really forced. Like they were trying to 
extra comic relief Kat Dennings. Yeah, it sounds it feels like they put her in a room and they like sat her down and were like, look, you're Kat Dennings. Go out there and be Kat Dennings. <laughs> and if you're not feel like you're not Kat Denningsing enough, you turn that shit up to eleven. You turn <laughs> that Kat Dennings up to eleven. And then she went out there and that's what she did, for better or for worse. Can we talk for a second about how she's gonna be in WandaVision? Is she really? Yeah, they announced yeah. that uh, I think at D23. No, it was after D20. Yeah, it was D23 where they announced that. So she's joined the cast of WandaVision. I think that's cool. I like seeing Yeah, no, I'm, these I'm all for it. Well, because yeah. there, there are like some characters from these movies that weren't necessarily good. Like I think she's one of them that kind of should have moved on and should have like probably went on the MCU, but she was a, sort of a, a victim or a casualty of how bad this movie was. So they yeah, were like, she didn't fit into Ragnarok because it was all spacey. Right. And there wouldn't have been a place for her in any of the other movies. So it'll, it's nice that we're getting some of these continuations in the, the, the TV series that are coming. Maybe that What you If know? episode will be directed by Patty Jenkins and will be <laughs> what Thor a, a mini episode of what Thor 2 should have been if she directed it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would have been great. That's the what if. What if Patty directed <laughs> Thor too? <laughs> so Thor senses that something's wrong with Jane, and he takes her up to Asgard to get her to get her checked out. Um, they're like doing this weird. Uh, what is it? What is it? What does she say? Particle. Um, oh, it's a quantum field generator. I quantum think field generator. It. And they called it a soul forge. <laughs> Um, and then Odin's like, what did you do bringing this hussy here? And she's like, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sitting right here. To be fair to Jane, and I get that she was disrespecting the king, he basically was like, I told you not to bring her here. She's only trouble. And she's sitting there like, I'm literally sitting right here. Like, what do you mean? He's a human and you're a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like... Aren't, don't you think even if even if you were in her shoes, you like you know that you are not on Earth anymore. You know that you are in a completely new place, and you're currently being operated on by doctors. Even if the fucking king of Asgard says something sassy, you don't sass him back. Like, she doesn't he's know the he's king. the king. She just thinks he's yeah, some weird old guy with an eye patch at the Renaissance fair. She doesn't <laughs> understand who he is. <laughs> they didn't go to Asgard. They went to the Renaissance fair. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people in costumes, like hovering over her and doing some lighting effects. And they're like, Doth yeah, mother know field. you wear her drapes. Yeah. It's do... definitely a quantum field generator. Yeah. Yeah, I do like the, uh, uh, I completely lost what I was gonna say. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no! When when she when when he says, "Oh, I know who you are," and she goes, "You told your dad about me." <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why he didn't see her because she told you know. That's why they didn't see each other because he told his dad, and then she was yeah. like, "This is getting kind of weird," so they stopped. All and right. so the movie All moves right. on. Loki uh, is shown destroying. Wait, hold on. This is stupid. Why did I scream? Sorry about it. I scrolled down too far. Chris, just cut Whoops. this out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thor explains that portals are causing the uh, are caused by the convergence happening, and um, Thor kind of shows Jane all around Asgard. He's like, "Look, look at my kingdom. This is all. All of this could be yours." Is this um, movie Aladdin? 
it's sort of it's trying to be a hundred different movies all at the same time um and um foster you know meets thor's mom she's like oh my god it's your mom like oh it's your mom uh, and a dark elf in disguise is captured and then taken into Asgard. And then he uses that dark elf thing. They like cut him open and they hide this weird grenade looking thing in his tummy. Did we yes, talk please. about the uh, Odin explaining where the ether comes from? I, I can't tell in my notes if that's from before or after what you're talking I think, about. No, I, I think that's before what I'm saying right now. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Just how Odin talks about he, when he figures out what's inside of Jane he he takes them into this chamber where there is this gilded book of of ancient lore and he tells them about the dark elves and he tells them about how there are relics that predate the universe itself and the ether is one of them he says the other relics often appear as stones but the ether is fluid and this is the first hint we get of the infinity stones this is actually the first time we hear the origin story of the infinity stones which we then hear again in more detail in gardens of the galaxy but he's talking specifically about the Infinity Stones. He calls them stones and everything. But he talks about how the universe, before the universe existed, there was darkness. And the Dark Elves came from that darkness. And they want to use the Aether to return the universe to darkness. So and that was why they fought a war. Is that a comic thing, too, that the Reality Stone is, like, liquidy? Nope. Okay. No, because <laughs> in the comics, the the, the stones, are they before the movies came around and started calling them stones they were the infinity gems mm-hmm. and they literally all each one was just a gem it wasn't a gem that was also part of another thing like the tesseract was not the space stone it was just right. okay. here's the space stone here's the time stone here's this stone that stone and they were all just their own thing and there were different the... colors right two yeah, of them were, were different colors some yes. of them were different. Uh, yeah. i think they were all different colors were they and and again the comics have sort of rebooted them now the, so that they're they're now called stones and their colors now match the movies because that's what everyone knows now. Um, but like the time, like I don't know what the different colors were, but I think red was like the power stone. So people assumed for a while that the ether was the power stone because it doesn't do anything really reality esque in this movie at all. Nope, no. Like the the dark elves, like either they hadn't figured out that they wanted it to be the reality stone yet, or the elves are just very unimaginative. <laughs> or, the, or the writers were um and because it wasn't until thanos got the reality stone that it started doing cool things like yeah. turning guns into bubble guns and turning drax into whatever he got turned into the fell apart or yeah 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 he turned yeah. mantis into a like a coily spring and yeah i don't yeah. so i i kind of felt the calling out of of that scene and the post credit scene like almost too much of a like hey hammer here's nail like it was almost too on the nose where they're like hey everybody in the audience this is gonna be an infinity stone remember that word infinity stone (laughs) you say that now having seen all the other movies but i tell you that it wasn't until recently that i realized that's what he was talking about like obviously in the post credit scene when they straight up say infinity stones that was yeah. a <gasps> moment in the in the theaters but i don't think anyone made the connection the first time they saw this movie because the only hint that we ever got that there might be infinity gems or stones or whatever in the marvel cinematic universe was because we saw a brief shot of thanos at the end of avengers 
and sure. there was are they going to do infinity gauntlet someday maybe that would be cool but this was the first time we ever got in the movies hey we are now building up to infinity gauntlet or infinity war as they ended up calling it that makes sense uh, so so in retrospect yeah it does feel like obvious like oh yeah duh he's talking about stones but at yeah. the time it was it was subtle <laughs> it felt because of because of the fact that I I just saw this movie for the first time, like you just said, it really felt like very much like the the Hulk thing, the Gamma Gray yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> like these are some kind of Infinity Stones. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like man, this is this is too much. So a Dark Elf Berserker is uh, he? They get ca- he gets captured and then he does the like weird thing that's the hiding in his stomach with yes. a K. He breaks it and then he turns all, you know, yeah. and uh, he starts breaking people out. But he doesn't break Loki up because he he can you know, he can sense it. He doesn't think something's not right there. And they start wreaking havoc. And the elves attack. The dark elves attack in what is it can only be described as the most uninspired action scene of all time. Chris, you've written basically a dissertation on why this scene is awful, and so please enlighten us. This is the worst action sequence in the entire MCU. You know me, I'm normally a pretty positive, happy, lucky, whatever guy on this podcast. I like things. Things are great. I don't like this. I have fallen asleep watching this movie before, and it's always at this part. I tune out every time. And going into this one, I said, I'm going to time this. So here's what happens. So the Dark Elves storming Asgard. It starts off strong. Because we get Heimdall stabbing an invisible ship until it crashes. And that's awesome. He runs up the 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 suspension on the or whatever on the on the bifrost, leaps, he knows the invisible ship is right there, he pulls out his knife, and he slides down the side and he's stabbing it, stabbing it, and then it crashes onto the bifrost. And it's awesome. But that aside. <laughs> This is boring and awful, and let me tell you why. First of all, I timed it. There are five minutes and 31 seconds of battle without a single line of dialogue. Not counting random soldiers going, because they're getting stabbed or something. So we have Jane saying to, or not Jane, we have Frigga saying to Jane, come with me, do everything I say. And Jane says, yes, ma'am. And then it goes right into Heimdall, and I cannot stress this enough. Stabbing an invisible ship until it crashes. <laughs> but then after that, absolutely nothing of any consequence happens whatsoever. It is nothing but nameless soldiers fighting faceless mooks. These dark elves who they don't even have unique faces. They wear like these weird masks. And it is just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Not even involving any characters that we know or care about or like. We get one shot, one reaction shot when Malekith, Malekith's ship drive like crashes right into the throne room so that he can get in there because he knows the ether is there somewhere. So we get that, and then we get a reaction shot of Thor and the Warriors Three and Sif and Loki who's still in his cell. It's rumbling. And they all look around and they look at each other. They they exchange some important glances. And then it cuts away again. No one says anything. No one does anything. Nothing happens. 
it is awful. So for for a battle scene to work as more than just spectacle, we have to have something to latch onto as an audience. Usually that's characters we care about. Sometimes it's dramatic irony. Oh no, we know something that the good guys don't know and that creates suspense. None of that happens. There's no tension. There again, we're not even watching named characters. They're all stuntmen and CGI doubles and whatever. Uh Soldiers, elves, fighting each other, doing nothing, accomplishing nothing, except for a battle. It's just hoping that we're going to be impressed by what's happening on screen, and nothing about that is even special enough. It's not even inventive visually or creative dramatically in any sort of way. It's just five and a half minutes of I don't care. Odin shows up at the very end, realizes that... Well, at the very end of this, we do get Malekith finding Jane and Frigga, who are hiding in Frigga's chamber. And Odin realizes it. And that's the first time, again, that anything happens. Now, they could have cut this down a lot. They could have intercut it with, here's what's happening with Thor and everyone. I'm not saying that there needs to be witty banter, but a little character work wouldn't hurt. Intercut it again with whatever Frigga and Jane's plan is. But no, we just go, we go five minutes from Frigga saying, do what I say, to us then finding, after she's done whatever it is she said, to, oh, they're in this room, and the bad guy found them. It's, oh my god, it's so bad. This movie, this movie, and, and what I think it is, it's not so much that it's bad, it's, but it's that the bad parts drag it down so much. It's kind of the way I feel about some of the Star Wars prequels, is that there are good aspects of it. And we'll talk about some of them as we, as we move along. But the bad parts drag it down so much so, so that the movie isn't just bad, it's disappointing. And that's, that's, that's I think, what gets me. Yeah, you always want your, your parent to be mad at you. You don't want them to be disappointed in you. Right. <laughs> that, that's way worse. Can I say something? The reason I was laughing when you were describing this was twofold. A, I don't think I've ever seen you be as upset about anything. <laughs> and I'm a B, pretty chill guy. <laughs> I know. And yeah. B, you describing Heimdall stabbing the invisible ship and like jumping on it really reminded me of like any video game like or JRPG or something where like you're fighting like you're in a Final Fantasy setting, right? You've got like swords uh, and nunchucks yes. or whatever, and you're fighting an enemy like vehicle, and you just punch it to death till it dies. Specifically, Final Fantasy the, Six. Final Fantasy Six. Saban the train. a train. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like that's like they it's must have played thing. Final Fantasy Six and figured, oh, we gotta we gotta oh. put some some unarmed combat against a, a machine in here. Yeah. I don't People know. Love that's, it. That's what I thought of. So this is the scene that made me that think of Star Wars, uh, specifically the like weird it? ships they used. I was like, are they trying to make them Tie Fighters? I like because it felt like that's the vibe they were going for. They were trying to like. It was a real. I was getting a real Tie Fighter vibe from the little yeah. like ships they were using. Yeah. Do you want me to cut into my other point then? Because you can whatever you want. This, this is pretty much this is pretty much I think where I decided that too because 
in in this scene part of the the conflict is um like lasers firing from the ship and everything and i think that this movie more than anything reminded me of a star wars prequel so i also thought it was funny that you said that we'd talk about it because um like it just it just from it has a lot of things that the star wars prequels have and so i'm watching this and and i'm like I don't know. It's it's too much of a striking resemblance. You've got... Just hear me out on some of this stuff, listeners. I know you think that we're crazy right now. <laughs> Natalie Portman in space wearing space clothes. We've seen that before. Uh, we've also got, as Chris just described in very great detail, uh, action scenes where large spacecrafts are firing lasers at things or each other. He also mentioned that the Dark Elves are faceless. They've got these like weird masks on. To me, those kind of look like battle droids. Um, so to see a whole bunch of them also firing lasers and tossing gravity bombs at things, that was very Star Warsy. And then, pretty much every time Jane interacts with the ether, you've got all these like really deep, like reds, like a Sith lightsaber sort of thing on screen, um, and even stuff just scattered throughout the movie, but I guess specifically in this fight too, where Frigga has that very brief sword fight with Malekith. And it kind of reminded me of like a lightsaber battle in, in her chamber sort of thing. So I, I got a very star Wars vibe by the middle ish of this movie. And that's all I could really think about was they're trying <laughs> to be a star Wars prequel. Yeah. The, the one inventive thing that happens in this fight is that they're, there's this really cool shot of a it's like a viking ship except it flies <laughs> and it's like oh yeah i thought that was fun because it tied it into the the whole norse mythology i was like okay that that was fun give me more of that and yeah right less more of the viking ships that fly and less of these these are just blasters but they are viking looking but they're blasters <laughs> right. like the the ones that were trying to use to shoot down the ships like we have these they look a little more norse but there's basically just like there's nothing fun about this. We just right. decorated them. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Um, so Thor's mom kinda gets stabbed to death by uh by Malekith. Sad. Um, yeah. and Odin, who is real pissed off about everything, is like Jane needs to get locked up because she's a danger to everyone and so they do it they lock her up obviously thor doesn't agree because you know she's his boo and so he decides <laughs> that his boo <laughs> needs to get busted out of prison so he he gets all his friends together and then he's like "Ooh, who's the sneakiest most scheming person i know that could get us out of here my brother so he decides he's gonna break his brother out too um loki <laughs> is visibly upset that his mom, uh, his, his mom, his adopted mom, I guess, but it's still his mom, uh, yeah. is not alive anymore. Um, and so he agrees to help. And we get some fun scenes between Thor and Loki, and we sort of move out. Now, I will say the Thor's best moments in this movie are when he's alongside Loki, but that's just because Loki's there. When Thor is alone in this movie and throughout most of the movie, I think he's the most boring vanilla dude in just his performance is so uninspiring. It's just lots of brooding and being serious and being like, I have the weight of the world on Darth's shoulders. And he just isn't, <laughs> he just isn't interesting at all. Like at all. 
I don't like Tony Stark as a character because I think he's kind of a tool. But I find him more interesting than this Thor. This Thor is just boring. He doesn't do anything in the whole movie. He just is there. So much so that people's talking points when they talk about Ragnarok, one of the main talking points about that movie is how Thor's character is reinvented in that movie. How it's been reinvigorated. People didn't imagine there was going to be another Thor movie after Ragnarok. But now we're getting another one because of how well he did in that movie and how much his character was sort of reinvented and retold. And then it happened again in Endgame. And so we're all super excited for the next one. And I don't think anyone would have been excited for another Thor movie after this one. And a lot of that has to do with because Thor was just boring. I think that there are parts of this movie where you actually do see glimmers of what Thor would become. And granted, a lot of them are in scenes with Loki. Um, Like in the escape scene that we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit, there is a lot of really funny brotherly bickering that happens. That's really enjoyable, but also there are a couple moments, especially towards the end in the final fight where, uh, or, or really just like, as we build up to the climax of the movie on earth, there are little things that Thor does that are funny. It's like um, about him getting on the subway. Yeah. him getting on the subway, <laughs> I think is, is hilarious. <laughs> the little, the little, like when the, when the lady accidentally, falls into him and he just gives a smile like yeah i'm hot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i I would do it too i understand like he's like i get it uh or him hanging up mjolnir when he walks into the apartment just like there's a coat (laughs) rack and he's like oh just hang it here which apparently that's something that chris hemsworth improvised just showing that he's a funny person and it took taika waititi to realize we should use this right that's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, the it's fantastic. I'm hanging up you on there. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, so there there are glimmers of what Thor would become, and it's pretty much, they all seem like little small choices that Chris Hemsworth himself made, probably. Yeah. Little small yeah. acting choices. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's tough. I, I think I'm so jaded with this because I, I really enjoy Ragnarok and Thor's performance mm-hmm. and Chris Hemsworth's performance, Ragnarok on, that it just, like magnifies how much I don't like this performance because I I know that there's better out there because we've seen it and Mm. we've experienced it. And those movies are fantastic. And so we get this and you go, man, this is, and I remember at the time being like, man, Thor is just boring, man. He's not that cool of a superhero. He's not that interesting. Um, And now I'm like, man, I want to see more Thor. I want to see, there's so much of them reinventing Thor that they even, made the conscious decision to throw away Mjolnir to be like, this is a new Thor. This is a different Thor. This is the Thor that you haven't seen yet. And then they decided to give him another hammer in infinity war for no reason. But you know what? They at least tried in Ragnarok. They at least tried. This is like here. I'll, 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 since we're in the spirit of agreeing about a movie, I'll play nice for a second regarding fast food establishments. This is like if you first tried In-N-Out's fries by themselves and then later you had them animal style and then you went back to having them by themselves and you were like, I could have put other stuff on these fries. Why did I do this? Why did I do this to myself? Like that's what going back and watching, well, I guess not going back for me, but that's what going and seeing this Thor is like after you've seen way better Thor. It's like, why do I care about this Thor? Bring me the Thousand Island and the onions and the, <laughs> and the, the cheese Thor. <laughs> yeah, put that on Thor and let's call it a day. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how he becomes the Thor in Endgame because of all that Thousand Island cheese fries. <laughs> it all makes sense. It's actually a perfect analogy. <laughs> Animal style. Animal I'll have style another. Thor is my favorite Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like Thor in this movie. And I, you know, I, I was telling Peaches before the show, I really wanted to like this movie because I'm a contra- contrarian. I really wanted to disagree with everyone again, but I couldn't make myself like this movie. And one of the reasons I couldn't do it is because of Thor. I just, every time he was on screen, I was bored. I just, everyone else in the movie, like he's got such a good cast around him. Like you would think that this movie would be a hit, but it just doesn't work well with him. And I think part of that is because they had him on a really tight leash to begin with. I think they were like, this is how you have to play the character and that's it. And it sort of, you can tell in the future movies that he has fun with the role now and really enjoys the role where I don't think he necessarily enjoyed the role in the beginning. That might be true. Maybe we got to get him on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We got to get him to ask. Um, And so Hemsworth, you out there listening? (laughs) Um, Come say your piece. So then we get this fun escape scene of everybody telling Loki that if he betrays Thor, that they'll kill him, which is fun. Um, and then we actually get the sort of the escape and the the little like like racer thing between Thor yeah. and Loki. And Chris, you wanted to touch on this part, right? A little bit, yeah, because it's it's kind of like a heist planning sequence in a movie because it's cutting between Thor and Heimdall and the warriors and Sif sitting in the uh, sitting in a tavern talking about what they're going to be doing and then cutting to them doing it and explaining, well, I've figured this out. I figured that out and how they're going to bring out Loki. And you knew I wasn't going to let this slip by without me talking about it. We get a cameo. We do get a cameo from Mr. Chris Evans. When Loki is as they're the Loki and Thor are arguing as they're walking through the castle and Thor's talking about how they need to be inconspicuous. And Loki turns into a, a random as guardian soldier. And then he says, well, maybe I should change you. And he, cha- and he turns back into Loki and changes Thor into Sif. And then Sif looks at Loki in Thor's voice says, it will hurt no less if I kill you in this form. <laughs> and then, and then Loki says, well, fine, maybe Maybe I should take on a different form then. Maybe one of your new friends, because you seem to like them so much, walks by in a column and comes out and is Captain America. And he gives this... <laughs> and he's he starts talking about, oh, the suit's a little tight, but I can feel the patriotism flowing through me. And let's have a rousing discussion about patriotism in the American way. God bless America. And it's so funny. And we get a little bit of the Captain America march playing. And this is actually a line... because I, I, I saw this movie in theaters twice, and I did not hear a single line that Chris Evans said. <laughs> because everyone was laughing and clapping so much in opening night when it happened. I had to go back later. I was like, okay, so that's what he said. Um, but it's, it's a very funny scene. Uh, just one of those great cameos, the kind of cameo that I love where someone shows up kind of reminds me of captain America in Spider-Man homecoming where yeah. it's like, they just use him as a joke and it's yeah. really funny. Uh, so yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy that, but moving on there. On a more serious note, the old, the the best drama that we get in this movie is the again the relationship between Thor and Loki. And I've talked before about how it's my favorite relationship in the MCU. And it's unfortunate we don't get to see much of Loki and Frigga, and we don't get to see much of Thor and Frigga until later when there's some time travel that allows us to see it. 
Uh, so Frigga was not a very well-developed character uh, up to this point. So her dying maybe doesn't have some of the impact that it should. It is also kind of a bummer when they take a character and just kill them for dramatic effect for some other characters. Uh, are you familiar with the term fridging? Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, I think so, you I think you described that in a previous episode where I, uh, you, you walk to the fridge and then you think like No, this is that's a different. That's fridge oh, this logic. Is, this is different fridge. There's <laughs> yeah, more than one fridge. That's fridge logic. This is this is fridging. It comes from Gail Simone, who's a comic writer, has written a lot of really great stuff. Uh, she actually before she was writing comics, she had a, a personal blog called Women in Refrigerators. Which was a re- it was a reference to a specific comic book story, but in general, it's the trope where a female character exists only so that she can die so that it can make some male character upset and be their motivation. And it happens uh, a lot in comics. Uh, and that's kind of what happens to Frigga in this movie. Frigga gets Frigida. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not she, laughing because she dies, but she gets yeah. Frigida. Yeah, but she <laughs> dies and it makes Odin upset so that he all of a sudden, in a role reversal from the first movie, becomes hellbent on war and taking it to Malekith, and Thor's the one trying to talk him down. Uh, it's what gets Thor and Loki to put their differences aside and work together. Uh, and it's just too bad that we didn't get more Frigga before this. But it is also very affecting to see what we do see of Thor, uh, not, excuse me, not Thor, Loki and Frigga's relationship. You, you see that she is the reason he knows all this magic. Because she uses the exact same trick of creating a fake double to trick Malekith that Loki has used so many times. And you get the scent. There's a, there's a really sad scene where they're talking to each other, uh, where Frigga visits him in his cell and they have an argument, uh, but you see how much she cares about him. And then you also see his reaction when she dies, where he just like, in like one magic flash trashes his entire, sh- his entire cell, uh, because, you know, the one person who still, for whatever reason, because she's a mother, mothers love unconditionally, she still loved him, and now he's lost that. So there is now a this discussion that Thor has right before he breaks Loki out, where he says, When we fought in the past, I did so with the glimmer of hope that my brother was still in there. That thought no longer protects you. If you betray me, I will kill you. And... There is a lot of great discussion that happens. I, I, I talked about the bickering that happens as they escape. Uh, Thor actually tricks Loki, where uh, as they're flying out of the uh, in one of the dark elf ships that they've hijacked, and Loki is criticizing. They they crash into a, a statue, and Loki says, "Well done, you just decapitated your grandfather." They uh, and he's yelling and saying. Oh yeah, great plan. Fly out of here in the biggest, most obvious ship and then Thor pushes him out the window. <laughs> and then Thor also jumps out and uh, Shazam's um, there. Shazam is there. Uh, Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. Zachary <laughs> Levi, who was up for the role originally, couldn't do it because he was on Chuck, so they cast Josh Dallas and then Josh Dallas couldn't do the second movie because once upon a time, but Chuck was over, so Zachary Levi came in and took the role. Whoa. Right? Yeah. I didn't know that. But then Loki says to him, you lied to me. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, the I, the escape from Asgard is a hundred times better. What's that? That's twice that the trickster God has been tricked. Once yeah. by an actual like human trickster, Black yeah. Widow. But then by dumb Thor, by boring Thor to Thor. 
He's getting rusty, man. Yeah. Uh, he he didn't have much time for tricks when he was in his jail cell. There you no. go. But yeah, I thought this, the whole escape from Asgard, because the reason they need Loki is because, as we saw in Thor, the original movie, Loki knows how to get out of Asgard without using the Bifrost. He knows how to, how, he knows some of the secret paths between realms. So that's why they need him. And I thought this escape sequence was 100 times better than the Dark Elf attack because it was all characters doing things. And it was <laughs> much more interesting to watch. And felt very Ocean's Eleven. Yes, yes. And that, I, I love a good heist. So, And also, Fandral <laughs> um, getting ready to jump off and just going, Thor Asgard. And then when they finally, when Loki gets them through to the other realm and you see the shot of the ship crashing and sliding and you just hear Loki and voiceover go, ta-da. Oh yeah. I forgot. There are actually a lot of fun little touches. It's like, you know, if the whole movie were like this, there would be a completely different narrative around this movie. Yeah. Chris, is there a reason you especially like the relationship between Chris and Loki? Is there some sort of annoying little brother complex that you're projecting <laughs> onto the screen? Oh my gosh. Uh, Why do we I... trash Danny in every episode? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, trash I him. did not trash him. Who trashed him? <laughs> no, I think I just think it done right and maybe it is because a brother, you know, being very close to my brother, it's something I can relate to. Not Danny and I never fought like Loki and Thor do. He didn't didn't turn himself into a snake? Danny, I love you, man. He knows I love snakes, and I picked him up. (laughs) (laughs) It's me! Between you and and Danny, which one of you is Thor and which one of you is Loki? If you had to pick. If you had um, to choose. If you had to choose. It's up to the delegates. And then um, we'll keep going. Hiddleston or Chris, <laughs> if you had to choose. I don't know. Um, that's that's tough. I guess because I'm not thinking on my feet very well, guess I'm Thor. <laughs> you are both Chris's, so. Yeah, it's true. That is true. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so then we get this uh, the fun scene where they sort of concoct a plan that you don't know that for whatever reason they didn't tell Jane, which was Loki was going to fake betray Thor and try to offer Jane up so they could pull and extract the ether out of, out of Jane. And then they were going to turn on him. They cut off Thor's hand. We get the, the, the Luke, we get our star Wars, the yeah. star Wars hand cut off. Um, and no. then they turn and, and Thor attempts to destroy the ether with, uh, a lightning bolt, which clearly doesn't work because we still have another 40 minutes of this movie. Um, <laughs> and that's where we get um, Loki's death scene, quote unquote, because Loki dies several times. And this is just another one on that list until he actually is dead. Um, as Loki's dying, we get this like, I'm sorry, brother. You guys had talked about how it was basically just the exact scene from the beginning of Ragnarok. <laughs> I didn't do it for him. <laughs> um, and then for whatever reason, this movie decides, you know where we need to go back to planet earth because this movie just needs to be on earth for whatever reason. Like it just doesn't make sense. They're like, Oh, it's just the central point of the planets colliding, like being in line, which is literally just the plot of Hercules, but it's the central point of the planets aligning. Well, that was the one part of Hercules. They didn't use in the first Thor. Right. And so they decided, Oh, we got to get, you know, the Titans with the planets. You know, we had to get that one in the second one. Um, 
And so there's a big old battle between Malekith and um, and Thor, and you know they fight, and there's some fun stuff. I could, I want to talk about the scene. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between here, but I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. I don't remember a lot of the rest of this movie, and I just watched it yesterday because it is just so. <laughs> Like this last, these last few legs, I was just kind of waiting for the movie. I was like, oh my God, finally, this movie's over. Like I was like waiting for the movie to end. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. If if you weren't reading the plot synopsis from start to finish, I wouldn't have remembered most of this movie. (laughs) I'm glad that I wrote these notes down. Um, And this is another big, 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 like stinging point for this movie is that the villain is so uninspired and it is such a waste of talent. Chris, I know you feel the same way because it's here in the show notes. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> please. We're two upset sound lords in the same time, in the yeah. same place, and we've never gotten it before. This is crazy. Yeah. So the one good thing I'll say about the final fight is that the it eventually stuff ends. is... Oh yeah. Well, I think the portal stuff is actually interesting. It's the second best climactic battle using portals in the MCU. <laughs> but out of two. Yeah. But it is it is actually there is some cuz they're falling between the different worlds and that's kind of neat. But it's hard to care because only one of the people involved in this fight is interesting and it's Thor. And I know Eduardo you would argue that even Thor isn't so great in this, but Malekith the Accursed played by Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston is a great actor. He is so good. And they wasted him. I I honestly believe that when people say that Marvel has a villain problem, it's because of this movie. This movie, uh, he is by far the worst villain. And again, it's, it's partially because it's so disappointing. They could have used Christopher Eccleston in a million other roles and he would have been so much better. Or they could have written this role better. But, okay, so if you don't know Christopher Eccleston, uh, what I know him best from is Doctor Who. He was the ninth Doctor. So he was, when when they rebooted the show in 2005, he was the new Doctor on that show. And he is, if I could borrow a word that he used a lot on that show, fantastic. He, he had, that show, especially at the beginning, was super goofy. But... He brought gravitas to it. He was funny. He could be scary. He could be dramatic. He could be tragic. He could make you cry. He could make you laugh. And you just believed whatever he did. And a bigger... He's not my favorite doctor because David Tennant followed him up and he's great. But but Eccleston is very, very close up there. I think I thought he was he was just great. And one of his best assets, I think, besides like his delivery, is he has the most expressive face when he acts. So what they did in this movie was they caked him in horrible makeup. They made him speak in a monotone. A good 80% of his lines are in a made-up language. They they have him acting against another great actor, uh, Adewala Ak- I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Adewale Akinoye Agbaje plays Curse, plays the uh, the accursed elf. elf. And he's another good actor. Like He was on Lost, and he's been in several movies. I think he was... 
was he Killer Croc in Suicide Squad? Yes, he was. Maybe not the best. Maybe not the best example, uh, but he's a good actor. And <laughs> he's again, in The Mummy Returns. If anybody? Oh yeah. Me? He plays the one like guy that hangs out with Imhotep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Oh man, I need to watch that movie again. I like the Mummy movies. Same. That's a different. Whatever podcast. happened to Brendan Fraser? That uh, hobo. He didn't get his cup of coffee, man. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, but two actors, and especially Eccleston, who because he has the bigger part, absolutely wasted. Just so disappointing. Malekith has no discernible motivation beyond, I want to make the universe dark? <laughs> and hey, Malekith, you that... ever heard of a light switch? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> and we just know that dark universes always fail in movies. Speaking of the mummy... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what this movie really needed was CGI Dwayne Johnson as a half scorpion. That's what would have really made this movie. It would have been more interesting of a of a villain. Hey, half half of the movies made that featured Dwayne Johnson as a half scorpion were good. So <laughs> <laughs> they could have made it two for three. They could if have they put him in this one. They could have. Um, but yeah, just just gr- I I. I, I can't blame the point too much. It's just that you take a world-class actor and give him the most boring part ever and make him be boring and hide the, uh, the, the, the things that make him a good actor. Again, just by making him this... He has one expression the entire movie. Maybe two. I guess his eyebrows furrow a little bit at some points. But it's, uh, it's just so disappointing. I, and I I remember hearing that Christopher Eccleston was going to be in this movie. And I was like, oh, that's going to be great. And I left the theater going, that wasn't great. I liked the movie well enough when I saw it. And it, it's kind of soured over time. But from the beginning, my biggest complaint was, boy, they shouldn't have cast him. They could have cast me and it would have been just as good. Because <laughs> not saying I'm a good actor. I'm saying that all you have to do is stand there and go. Asgard, and yeah, right. come from? Yeah, yeah. You just just babble a little bit. They'll put subtitles on the screen so everyone can figure out what you're saying, and then go. I am the Dark Elf, and that's you know that's all you need. You were just, you were too expressive just now. We're gonna need you to tone it down. Oh, tone it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah just a baffling choice, and disappointing as all get out and i think is i think you were right i think his motivation is the hardest part to get around because it just is just not believable even from the beginning of the movie they're like the elves were fighting the asgardians because of they wanted it to be dark i guess and then that's just supposed to be a believable motivation for the rest of them so there are a few even if this is like something from the comics there are a few things from the comics that they change like let's take thanos for example right in the comic books in infinity gauntlet thanos is in love with the physical personification of death he is in love with her and he is trying to 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 swoon her so he's doing everything in his power to they decided hey maybe that's a little too far out there for so let's try to make it believable with this they were like "Eh, who cares it's a superhero movie let's just give him he wants it to be dark and let's just move on and that's what we got and it just wasn't and and here's the thing is that you could still make that interesting. They just didn't try. No. If they explored the character a little bit more instead of just having them be this this blank slate, they could have made you believe, 
all right, well, this isn't something I would want, but clearly it means something to him. But no, all you get is that, well, I'm doing this because I'm the bad guy. Right, he could have been like a gingerbread man, and it wouldn't have made a difference. It could have been, uh-huh. it would have been, it could have been an army of gingerbread men, and it wouldn't have made any difference because you could have put in any character, anything in that role, and it would have just been exactly the same. There was no difference. If he wanted it to be dark, hear me out on this. He could have just kept sleeping. <laughs> he already had what he wanted. There you go. Yeah. So Malekith is stupid, right? We can all agree Malekith is stupid. Um, but Thor ends up winning because obviously we get more Thor in other movies um, and everybody else. Um, Odin congratulates Thor for his work. And Thor says, what you should do for me is make it so that I don't have any responsibilities because I want to go party with my friends some more. And he's like, <laughs> and Odin's like, yeah, sure, I guess. Except it's not Odin. Bum, bum, bum. And it's Loki. Loki's alive. But we don't really know where wow. Odin is. And so the movie ends with it being Loki and, and Thor making out with Jane. But I guess they broke up. Oh, like making out too, yeah. like making out, and then the post-credit scene is just that beast that portaled its way to, to the, Earth, the Jotun bouncing around yeah. in the yeah. courtyard. We then get the <laughs> other <laughs> post-credit scene that Chris alluded to, which is Sif and Volstag meeting the Collector, and we get the the first real nudge, nudge, hint, hint, the first words spoken of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, and this is when they. This is the first time that they say that the Tesseract is an Infinity Stone as well. And this is where we get the first image of the cocoon of Adam Warlock, right? Is it this one, or is that? Well, yeah, but it's but it's technically not the cocoon of Adam Warlock. It's just a mysterious cocoon because the actual cocoon of Adam Warlock we don't see till Guardians Volume Two. There we go. But it's the one that everyone thought was Adam Warlock until they were like, "No, it's not." No, because this is Adam Warlock. Yeah, (laughs) this is just a cocoon. As Freud once said, sometimes the cocoon is just a cocoon. <laughs> no, this is Patrick. <laughs> um, I do want to say about the ending, the the last scene with Thor and Odin, or Loki, Odin. Uh, Loden. Just, yeah. Loden. Uh, Loden. The. Oki. It is Thor saying that he can't be king because he needs to be a warrior. He needs to take care of the realms first but it also does end up leading to him making out with jane but there is a bit more of a reason there is a bit more reason behind it where he feels like he's not fit to be king he needs to uh, that he'd be better served protecting the realms instead of being confined to being so he's gonna go away for a while until his uncle destroys the pride lands and then he'll eventually make his way back (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh the dark elves want an elephant graveyard. <laughs> Anything the light touches is is Asgard. <laughs> the shadowy place is where the dark elves live. They want everything to be the shadowy place. And Darcy and the intern are Timon and Puma. <laughs> Timon and Puma don't make out though. No. I mean, I I'm sure in some deep dark corner well, of the internet they do. Out there, I'm sure. <laughs> And that was Thor the Dark World. Boy, was that a fun ride. We did it. We did it. I am, you know what? Here's, we can say this. On the bright side, we have suffered through Thor the Dark World because our next episode is the Winter Soldier. 
am. No one's going to have anything bad to say. Boy, am I psyched for that episode. <laughs> we're going to have to be, we're going to have to intentionally attempt to be critical. I can't wait because like all this movie did was like prime me so that I would like the winter soldier even more because I'm just going to compare it to this movie the entire time. Like, man, this movie is way better than the dark world. I don't know though. I think, well, do you want to go into MVP? What do you, how, how you want to do this? You yeah, go for it. How you talk about how, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I wrote Thor in the show notes, but to be honest, I don't really have an MVP because like you said earlier, we watched this movie recently to prepare for this show. And I remember almost none of it. Like, and the only reason I put Thor in there is because I really like that scene where he hangs Mjolnir up on the <laughs> cover. I think that is funny. But if I mean, if I had to pick somebody, I'd probably pick Selvig because he runs around in his underwear and is a crazy old person. And and we barely talked about that, that he's crazy in this movie because he's still getting over the side effects of having Loki living in his brain. And yet... Yeah. Hawkeye's doing and just he, fine. And yeah. Does, yeah. Well, Hawkeye's he, trained. Hawkeye, <laughs> He's trained Hawkeye to have a god had, poking around his brain. No, no. Hawkeye had cognitive rec, uh, like uh, recalibration ah. via a metal pole, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Eric just like fell on the ground. Like, oh, I fell. I guess I'm not with Loki anymore. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it was kind of like a mini explosion that knocked him over. But still, anyways, if I had to say an MVP, I guess it'd be him because he doesn't wear pants for most of the movie. And that's what I aspire <laughs> to do in life. It's a good dream. Same. But yeah. yeah uh, Robbie, Robbie would have said Loki if you were here. I'll read Robbie's stuff too. Yeah. I would, uh, I was going to say Thor and Loki for co MVPs just because I think together they're, they're great in this movie. I almost said Benicio del Toro. I almost said Chris Evans, but <laughs> Thor and Loki. I genuinely think it's Jane Foster, and I know Peaches, you didn't like her in this movie, but I genuinely liked her in this movie, and that's not just me trying to get points with Mrs. Soundlord. I actually genuinely <laughs> really, really like her in this movie, and I would like to see her get the Ragnarok treatment and be able to open up in the role. Yeah. I think she will. I'm very excited for that. Um, so let's rate the movie. Um, I'll go ahead uh, here. I'll just say Robbie's Robbie, although he's not here, was able to give us his MVP and his rating. And he's giving Thor, the dark world, five space time javelins out of 10, which is coincidentally the same score. I'm giving it five Korg doppelgangers out of 10. <laughs> what is he talking about? Space time javelins. What did no I miss? No idea. At, and during the last fight, the way that, so the convergence, which is what, which is the alignment of the nine realms, yeah, which makes the walls between realities a little bit thinner. Uh, they there are these devices that Selvig had been working on that could measure it, and they recalibrated them somehow oh. to be able to sort of okay. manipulate the portals. And it ends when Thor or Jane or someone—I don't even remember who—it was probably Thor, I guess—he throws the javelin like right into Malekith and it warps him back to his world. And then the ship crashes on top of him. 
That's and, right. That's right. Yeah, because the javelin pins into the front of the ship, and then the ship crashes, and that's how they defeat Malika. I was thinking of a literal javelin, so I couldn't remember like oh, when yeah. we had those. Like I was thinking of some combination of the baseball from Super <laughs> Smash Bros. Oh, and yeah. a javelin. <laughs> but okay, when that you makes throw it, sense. and then it warps out from a different spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. I, yeah. Me? Me? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, fine. I gave it. Five sea bass, 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 sea bass out of ten. And I gave it four director changes out of ten. Accurate. Yeah, I mean that is literally literally true. Um, and yeah, just I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know, I can't wait for our next movie where we talk about. The Winter Soldier because of Sea Bass Shin Stan. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that was a nod. They were just prepping us the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That might be the best joke ever made on the show. Sea Bass Shin Stan. Oh, that was gold. I'm um, upset I didn't say it. I'm sorry, Mrs. Soundlord is staring at me. <laughs> She's going to get this reaction. It's very I funny what he just said, I promise. <laughs> yeah, when she hears this, she's going to crack up too. She's either going to do that or kill you because she's mad about what you say about Jane Foster, uh, one of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's go into our rankings. Robbie gives uh, puts Avengers at number one still. Honestly, his list hasn't really changed from the last episode, except he's got Thor the Dark World ahead of only Iron Man 2. I mean, wow. by, by law, the list can only change by one movie each time. Correct. That makes sense. <laughs> um, for me, as much as I spent, as much time as I spent trashing Iron Man 3 in our last episode, I still like it more than Thor the Dark World. I'm proud of you, man. <laughs> Thor the Dark World's dead last for me. Chris? Yeah, this one is last for me as well. Uh, and it will probably stay there. I can't imagine giving anything else that's left in the MCU a similar rating. So Thor 2 is also dead last on my list. Um, right right after Iron Man 2. Just like I, I trashed Iron Man 2 also, but at least I remember the movie. <laughs> <laughs> at least that there are some moments that I remember. Boy, so, this has just been a positivity-filled episode. <laughs> you know what I'll say real quick, though, before we end, because we, we didn't go into how it fits into the MCU, because I think we probably all are going to say something really similar about how we don't think it fits in that well. But I think that it's probably actually fortunate that we have a movie that failed, right? Like, it didn't fail from a numbers perspective, um, because it still made a lot of money, but it did fail from a ratings perspective. And I think that we've talked about because of Avengers and then a lot of the other movies that, you know, there's other movie studios out there that they could make, they could make a movie in a, in a trilogy or a series or however long their list of movies is going to be and have one fail. And that completely derails the whole train. Right. But like this didn't, and Chris, you said this a few weeks ago. It didn't, and it probably should have, but because it's the MCU, we're still trucking. So 
but I think that if we wouldn't have had this speed bump, they probably just would have kept on. We, we would have had it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad we had it with this movie and not somewhere else, because a lot of the other movies in the MCU, I wouldn't have wanted to see those be failures. Right. I wouldn't have wanted to see Black Panther be a failure or Ant-Man mm-hmm. be a failure or something that like the world needed at the time, like like Back to Black Panther or or, or a Captain Marvel. I wouldn't have wanted it to be one of those. Or so even I'm a glad Guardians of the Galaxy, right? A movie that right. was really important for the MCU because of how different it was. Um, right. So like you said, while this movie didn't fail commercially, it failed in our hearts. And that's what really <laughs> yeah. matters. I think yeah. what matters actually are the, the dark worlds we had along the way. I think what really matters are the Mjolnirs we hung up along the way. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, for anybody who is currently listening as this uh, episode comes out, we're going to be taking a week off. Uh, the Sound Lord is headed down to sunny Florida to visit his brother and his best pals. And they're going to go have lots of fun without me. And I'm really upset about Okay, I'm not really upset about it. But I'm sad I'm not there. Um, oh, I'm sad you're not there too. Um, but he's going to go have fun. So we're going to take a week off. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks with uh, the Winter Soldier. So get ready for that. If you want to listen to some more sultry sounds of Eduardo and Peaches, uh. you can tune in to our next episode of Squat Up. ASMR, which will be, uh, which should be coming out in between when the the next episode is and this episode, um, and so that's gonna do it for us. If you want to email the show, email the show assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. and if you want to tweet at the show assemblycast um, on Twitter, d underscore peaches gator sacks twenty ten phil kid three for Robbie who's not here and abcd eduardo one. That's gonna do it for us today. We love every three thousand. See everybody. Sounds good. So there is this uh, this website. It is called TalkToTransformer.com, and it's it's an AI website where you type in whatever you want, and then it will extrapolate and create a lot more text out of it. Uh, so like you can type in like a sentence, and it will like write a short like a few paragraphs based on that. So I uh, I decided to do some movie reviews uh, for of the of Thor: The Dark World. So I did two. For the prompt I gave it was the worst part of Thor: The Dark World is, and this is what it gave me. Oh wait, wait, wait let me do that too. The worst part of Thor: The Dark World is. Okay, now you go. So I got the worst part of Thor: The Dark World is that no matter how well the movie does, even the most passionate fan couldn't be moved to tears. No matter what you think the story is, or who the heroes are, or where they're from, this movie is not going to be able to move your soul. No, <laughs> this movie is going to be sad. But before I go on, let me say that while I loved Thor The Dark World, it is a very flawed movie, which would have been better with a proper ending, if you don't count the aforementioned Captain America The Winter Soldier. And just a few more solid mo- <laughs> just a few more solid moments. This is all true, in spite of the fact that it is so good. <laughs> Still, 
the movie wasn't all bad. As you can see by my spoiler warning, Thor The Dark World did have some strong moments, despite not trying to be. <laughs> this, this comes as no surprise to anyone who has seen the movie. Thor is a dark, gritty, and grimy movie without a shred of sweetness. <laughs> I what made one get? too. Okay. Just now. The worst part of Thor The Dark World is is that it's not just the villains we're dealing with, it's the heroes too. Even with all that action going on, the hero side isn't being challenged anymore. Not to mention, it's not like these guys are just going to go around saving the day. It's actually quite a difficult mission to be given. With the character that was meant to be Loki on the team, that's completely changed. And while he has his own journey, this doesn't quite fit as well. The film goes after... Or the film does go after the bad guys and does get them in trouble, but it also just feels like the other films have done. If you look past all of the Avengers and the Justice League, then this simply doesn't work. <laughs> they're still bad boys, even if their behavior is still is even more insane. Loki is the perfect example of that. He's not some hero. He's just a villain who gets away with all of his bad behavior because he can use his magic to help save the day. <laughs> with no real stakes to hold his action, just a simple magic. <laughs> I that also, was actually pretty good. I also yeah, did the solid. best part of Thor the Dark World. Oh, okay. The best part of Thor the Dark World is the first two minutes. <laughs> but that's a joke, obviously. So many superhero movies have this scene, and it gets so bad. One, Thor has to run for several hours on a mountain. <laughs> and it's hot. <laughs> and it's hot, so you're going to get sweaty in some places. Particularly the chest and stomach. He's not allowed. He's not allowed too much sun. Two, the fight scenes. <laughs> Two, the fight scenes are awesome, but not as cool as a group of kids playing pretend fighting. <laughs> I'm glad that you recorded all this. This would be good uh, content for the show instead of talking about Thor: The Dark World. I agree.